You are listening to the Daily Homily for Magdala in the Holy Land. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and told them, They have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we do not know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple went out and came to the tomb. They both ran, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent down and saw the burial cloths lying there, but did not go in. When Simon Peter arrived after him, he went into the tomb and saw the burial cloths there and the cloth that had covered his head, not with the burial cloths, but rolled up in a separate place. Then the other disciple also went in, the one who had arrived at the tomb first, and he saw and believed. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. God's plan of salvation wasn't just to do a major drama, a big show, a big display. His plan of salvation is directed to every human being. So the recipient of all his love are we. We are the recipients of his love. And his love, like the scripture says, is comparable to the rain coming down that later evaporates and goes out through the plants producing all kinds of fruit. So the fruit is in our lives. And as we see God's grace working, we see the transformation of our lives. And John is one of those first ones transformed. And there's a special, many special aspects to the phenomenon of John. One of them is that he lived the longest of the apostles, according to the understanding of tradition from the earliest times. And Ignatius of Antioch knew him personally. And Polycarp is in that line of those who received directly that handing on of the faith right into, I'm not sure when Polycarp died, uh, just from memory right now, but well into the second century. And so this was a very powerful point of touching the apostles. And this was one of the features of the apostles that they were witnesses of Christ's action. If their lives were not transformed, their words would have been empty. They would just be a story. But their lives had been so deeply transformed and to the point of martyrdom, uh, John, according to tradition, also was thrown into a cauldron of boiling oil and survived and so is understood to have also the inequality in terms of will and disposition, the quality of martyr. 
But he gave witness anyway, which is the word martyr in Greek, to give witness to Christ. Without the apostles, we would not have the story of Christ on solid foundations. And that's the language of the scripture, because we even read in the book of Revelation how the heavenly Jerusalem comes down from heaven and is built upon the 12 courses of stone foundation with the names of the 12 apostles. And above that are the 12 doors with the prophets. It's interesting how that is structured in that order. And so we have, in, Jesus would be inaccessible without the apostles. And the successors of the apostles carry on that mission of tangibility of the authority handed on to them. And this is a major dimension of the authenticity of the church, of the body of Christ, of the bride of Christ, of the church as willed by Christ to bring us into the mystery of salvation. Because we receive the faith through the word of the church, through every baptized person that speaks to their children, little infants, the words of the sign of the cross, the prayers, through the ordained ministers giving the sacraments, the, the church, the whole body of Christ is communicating Christ. And that's where we find our faith. We don't find our faith just from a WhatsApp or from an email. It's very personalized. This is the reason for the incarnation. He became flesh. And this is why we have this extraordinary letter of St. John as a first reading today. And he is passionate about it. What was from the beginning, and this is kind of an echo of the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh. What was from the beginning, what we heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we looked upon and touched with our hands concerns the word of life, the life made visible, God made visible. We have seen it and testify, witness, martyr, testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was made visible to us. This is a beautiful text at uh, the beginning of the first letter of John that helps us then to enter into the fellowship with the Father and with his Son, Christ. And we are writing this so your joy may be complete. We have the word of the Beatitudes. Matthew's gospel summarizes the mystery of Christ's teaching in the Beatitudes. Beatitudes, Beatitudes means joy, means the fullness of personal Fulfilling happiness forever. Blessed are the, you could sometimes the translation say happy, but sometimes people feel that that's cheaply understood. But it's the mystery of joy, the good news. This is the essence of our Christian life that comes from this fullness of fellowship with the Father in Christ through the Holy Spirit. So that's why we have our psalm Rejoice in the Lord, you just. And John experienced this. And he was a fisherman here at the Sea of Galilee. And most probably, he and his brother James and their dad 
uh, Zebedee came here with loads of fish on their boats to sell it because here there was export of fish to Rome. Right here, outside here, outside this window. This is the port of Magdala. We're above it. We're above the market area of the port, about one floor above it, right here. Uh, this is the tangibility of the incarnation. The logic of the incarnation is God is not an idea. He's not an abstract. He's not a being that's completely invisible. He became flesh and they met him and they heard him. And after the resurrection, even when he was in a completely transformed body, he made sure that they could give him food that he could ingest, that they could uh, put their finger in his wounds, that they could recognize the sound of their name in his voice. What a beautiful reality that John is describing here and for which he's a witness with his whole life. And it's not that John was perfect guy. Um, we see in John a trait of, of his character that was very eager, running. And this is from the very first encounter with Jesus. And even prior to meeting Jesus, he was already running because he was signed up with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist wasn't preaching out into the air and just uh, crowds. He was uh, forming disciples and apostles, the same process Jesus would do. And that's what rabbis did, and that's what people still do at the universities. Big professors have people doing doctorates under them, and they're influencing them, guiding them, developing them, and preparing the next generation. And John was with John the Baptist and Andrew, the brother of Peter. And they're the ones that are among the very first that encounter Jesus. And the very first day they said, we have found the Messiah. That's what Andrew said to Peter. That was John's experience as well. This is a, a soul that's thirsting, that's rushing, that can't wait, that has a thirst for truth, for goodness, for salvation, for God's unfolding plan. And then, Jesus, uh, he is very close to Jesus, and this vestment is kind of eloquent today because we have this beautiful gold for the Christmas, the octave of Christmas, and we have this heart because John was leaning at Christ's heart. But he had a, a while to get there because he was filled with ambition. He wanted the first places. They were called sons of thunder. They must have been very, very uh, tempered, hot-tempered and uh, action people. And then we find in the gospel that John has become very humble. He ran and he got there first, but he waited for Peter to go in. What an amazing act of truth of humility before Christ's ordering of the church under Peter. And John waits to let Peter in first because he is Christ's representative, Christ's vicar. And this is a beautiful thing. Also, John's fidelity, he was able to hang out even at Calvary. The other apostles were not there. Maybe it was because of Mary tugging at him and saying, don't leave me. Uh, but he was there and he knew the tomb and he knew the way things were left on Good Friday evening, afternoon after the burial. And now when he came back, he saw the cloths lying and didn't say anything to Peter because Peter hadn't been there. He didn't know the arrangement. And John could read through those signs. And with the humility of his spirit, his person was prepared for the grace of the revelation of the resurrection. He is risen. And he says, he saw and believed. He's fascinating in his gospel accounts, the way he structures the gospeler and his disciples, the school he prepared, the, the continuity of disciples he prepared, and the expression of in the beginning was the word, and the word was made flesh and lived among us. The, the whole sweep of his gospel, the story with Mary Magdalene in the garden, 
uh, the, uh, the encounter with different people, the crucifixion scene with Mary and, and John there to take Mary into his home. There's so, such richness, such beauty. We need to fall in love with our apostles, with our evangelists, with all of our saints, with our martyrs. Uh, this is part of our life. This is our treasure. This is our history. This is the joy of being a member of the mystical body of Christ, the spouse of Christ, the church, the heavenly Jerusalem, sitting and standing on the 12 apostles. Thank you for joining us today. If you want to learn more about Magdala, follow us on YouTube and on Facebook.